iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Adam Egoyan and tonight's guest moderator, Karen James of Mary Claire Magazine. Thanks for waiting, everyone, as well. It's been kind of crazy at the airport. So. It was his fault. <laughs> it was totally my fault, yeah. I was just totally trying to keep you in suspense. But, uh. but, yes, thank you for coming, and thank you for making it here. Um, I have the advantage over all of you because I've seen this film. It is a really wonderful film. I highly recommend it. Thank you. And I would describe this film as an erotic thriller. Does that seem accurate to you, or how would you describe it? Yeah, or uh, psychosexual mystery, or uh, let's. I mean, the, I, I think I think it becomes a thriller at one point. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but but I, in terms of genre, I'm thinking first and foremost of drama. That that's my interest, right? And then uh, the 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 thriller aspect does kick in, uh, but it's it's almost as though one would prefer not to go in with that expectation because it, it, it becomes to, uh, there's a formula to that when that does happen. Mm -hmm. and, and I actually think you know, it's precipitated by a, a psychological crisis in, in terms of what's happening with the characters as opposed to any sort of machination that's kind of applied um, outside of that. Mm -hmm. It's always really about the characters for me. Right. It's, like, it's like what's going on inside their minds and how do you access that. And, uh, and this was a, different because I hadn't written the script and so uh, the the usual deployment of structural devices or uh, other ways to to gain that access was 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 different this time because it's really through performance and and composition and location choices and uh, working with the team that I've used in all my films but doing something quite different for us so how did this come about since it is, this is the first time yeah. that you haven't written the screenplay correct yes it is I and mean for for a feature film yeah so what did it come to you as a complete screenplay, and what attracted you to this material? Well, it came as a screenplay that uh, I I was attracted to just it was because it was written by Erin Cressida Wilson. Uh, I've always uh, really been impressed by her work, not only the films that she's written, but also the erotica she's written. She's written some amazing short mm -hmm. stories, and uh, she wrote Secretary, correct? The right, she wrote for Secretary. Secretary, and so uh, that that was the first draw. And I was, um, I was sucked into the story. In, I realized halfway through I had seen this movie somehow before because it is based on a, on a French movie that was released uh, in 2002, 2003 called Natalie. But it seemed to reinvent it in a very interesting way. And uh, I expressed interest. And then, of course, it's the usual dance where you're uh, being considered with other people. But... The producer and the person who developed this, Ivan Reitman, uh, loved Exotica and uh, loved the mood of that film. And we, we just had a series of conversations about that. I, I said that a lot of the mood of Exotica was because of the structure of Exotica. It's not, but, but he said, no, beyond that, just there was something about the way it was visually handled. And he's a director himself. And Ivan was also very honest that he wanted to direct this movie. He did? He did. That seems but so odd. It is, the seems Ghostbusters odd. guy. It, it, he's the Ghostbusters guy. But he, he saw this French film. He was drawn to it. And he uh, developed it. He, he, he also connected with Aaron, which is also not very likely. Uh, and uh, by the time I got the script, it was, it was really it was in place. But there were things about it that felt uh, needed work, 
I mean, for me, uh, the setting in San Francisco, as thrilling as that was at one level, was problematic because uh, it's been overused in a way. And I've seen that city, some of my favorite films have been shot there. And I just didn't feel that I had an intimate knowledge of what San Francisco was about. But I got really excited about bringing it to Toronto mm -hmm. and using uh, specific architectural places, but also this idea of a city which, weirdly enough, um, is a prostitute itself. I mean, Toronto is um, used as something else most of the time. <laughs> so it seemed before. to be a great controlling metaphor uh -huh. for, for Chloe. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and then there were other things to address, but, but for the most part, the structure was there. Mm -hmm. And in, in what way is this of a piece with your other work? Are there themes in here that that seem to be connected to the work that you've done on your own? Originally? Yeah, no, I, I, I think there are. I mean, and, and uh, in, a, in a strange way, you get presented with a lot of scripts. I mean, I've, I've had a, an agent since Exotica, so there's a lot of scripts that are proposed, but, and there are ones that you read and you think you'd enjoy watching, but you can't imagine attaching yourself and being involved for the, for the year or a year and a half it takes to actually make the film and then go out and speak about it. Uh, but this one, there was all of these there was a lot of stuff to mine in terms of the psychology of the two women mm -hmm. and uh, their uh, conflicting fantasies of what the other represents and where that takes them. Uh, and I knew that if we found two great uh, actresses, um, we, could, we could really mine that. Mm -hmm. And um, we did. I mean, we, 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 uh, we started casting almost two years ago and it was before Mamma Mia came out and no one really knew who Amanda was except through... Um, big love, but you know it wasn't going to be able to really um, uh, finance the film, I suppose. But but then a number of things happened where suddenly uh, she became um, a name, and and she was also always our first choice. She's just a, quite an extraordinary actress, and she, from the moment we auditioned her, was Chloe. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other actors um, came into place. I mean, Liam Neeson only really because I did a, this play at the Lincoln Center a year and a half ago, a Samuel Beckett play of all things. Uh, so through that connection, um, he was on board. And then um, Julianne Moore was just someone I'd, I'd always dreamt of working with since I saw Vanya on 42nd Street. So these things came together in a certain way, which is an alchemy which is mysterious, right? Sometimes they can fall apart, but it was really a, a wonderful experience from that point of view. And uh, I, think, I think everyone is uh, really great in terms of being able to uh, up extend the ideas that were available uh, or made, made, made clear in this, in this quite unique script. It's an unusual script, I think, for, for, um, for an American production because it's, it's very, um, there's something very uh, uh, ambiguous about it. Now, that being said, it, it's totally very different from the French film as well. And they're a very interesting study in comparisons, I think. Can you talk a little bit about the house and also the visual look of the film? Because it looks to me very sort of rich and glowing, and Chloe looks like the most innocent Dewey Hooker ever. Yeah. And that clearly was some kind of choice that you made. Oh, yeah. What, what? I mean, I, I, I come from theater, so I think that uh, naturalism has never really been my strong point. I mean, it's never really... I, I admire that tradition in filmmaking, but I, I always am looking for ways to uh, extend... Um, our sense of what is going on and heighten it and therefore we're drawn in as viewers in a, in a certain way and some people can 
feel distance from that, but I think it's also pretty ex exciting when you when you just push things. And so, um, yes, I mean, Chloe uh, has a certain clientele, and she's playing to that clientele, and that's what she's being hired to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so there's a, a, a performance aspect which is actually doubled up within the movie. And uh, so she's trying to work out a lot of issues, I think, in terms of that image through this older woman, uh, played by Julianne Moore. And, uh, and she, she totally uh, respects and is drawn to the authority that Julie, uh, or Catherine, sort of presents her with. And the ability to tell these stories to someone who's so attendant mm -hmm. and uh, is so uh, needing of her narrative becomes completely intoxicating to her. She's never been in that place before. So Maybe uh, we should back up in case this wasn't entirely clear from the trailer. She is hired to seduce Liam Neeson and then tells the story about that to Julianne Yes, basically uh, uh, Catherine hires um, Chloe to uh, ascertain whether or not her, her husband is, is having these uh, extramarital affairs. Now, she could have hired an investigator. I mean, there are other ways to kind of do that. But I think what she really wants to know is not only whether or not this is happening, but also to have a sense of um, how it's happening. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and uh, who, is her, who is this man? Um, and how is it that he's presenting himself to these, to these other women? Because the erotic link in their marriage has been completely lost. Mm -hmm. So what she really wants is to re re-eroticize the image of Liam Neeson mm -hmm. uh, or of uh, David in her own mind. I don't think she'd be able to say that and that's one of the issues when you're, I mean she's a supremely intelligent and quite controlling uh, person mm -hmm. but I don't think even with that she'd be able to articulate that that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. But otherwise it's, it's kind of uh, improbable I think. But, and we understand through the performance that that is what she's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, sh that these, hearing these stories of uh, Chloe's connection with the husband puts her into a kind of a reverie mm -hmm. of something that she once had. As it also puts Chloe into this kind of dream state because she's suddenly telling a story of her work mm -hmm. to someone who needs to hear it. So it's kind of this Sherazade-like structure. Mm -hmm. And I've always been drawn to those types of structures where people you know, are not entirely sure of why they're embarking on a relationship or a narrative to a stranger in this case. Is the basic relationship here between those two women in the film, do you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I really think it's a story about the two women. And really, we were very lucky to get... I mean, Liam is playing the traditional wife role, mm -hmm. right? But, um, uh, but it's very interesting. Yeah, it's but, very but, but, interesting but I, and I think it's been in, in, incredibly generous for him to, to play this role. But again, it's, I think, because of the relationship we had doing this play where uh, it was an amazing journey for us, this Samuel Beckett piece, which I had conceived and... Um, uh, brought to stage. It was never really intended to be a stage play, but we, we, we mounted it. And it's really, that's an interesting story about a, a man who's alone in a room hearing a monologue of, of a woman who torments him for thinking that uh, he could ever forget her. So it's this, uh, it was a very intense piece. I don't know if anyone saw it, but uh, so Liam, uh, we, were, we had a relationship and so it was easy to transfer the the, 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 the code that you develop as a director with your actors to this project. And also, of course, you were filming this 
with Liam Neeson when yes. Natasha Richardson had her yes. accident. I mean, it was, did, it was, what impact did that have on your filming and and on his role? Well, did he did it change anything in terms of? Well, what it happened he almost exactly him? a year ago, right? It was like I was looking at the. It happened on March 16th. It was the most surreal day of my life, and it was. Uh, it just seemed so innocuous, you know. She just slipped, and uh, and yet uh, he sensed that something else might be happening mm -hmm. and so he left the set and uh and it just turned into a nightmare and uh especially given what the film was about and you know all these conversations that we had it just seemed unspeakably tragic and cruel and and and, and horrifying um but uh, he came back within a week and, and 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 finished the film quite heroically i think and and uh yeah it's difficult not to think about that when you're watching yeah. it but but hopefully we move beyond that and you know did you create or did Amanda create a whole backstory for Chloe how did she get to be where she is well the backstory is 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 actually in the script and we took it out for the oh. most part I mean just uh, but it's it'll be there as a DVD extra I guess but it, it there is a lot of backstory but it just seemed to it, it didn't seem necessary I mean and, and it felt uh, it's it's more it was more interesting not to know what her backstory was in some mm -hmm. ways though I think since it was there in the script she knew what she was playing against mm -hmm. and um, you tend to you mentioned earlier that you work with the same that's the theme music that I brought with me if that's okay I, I usually have a track that just kind of like just I was just gonna mention actually it just runs through my life you know and it's uh, <laughs> this actually was the question you talked about working with the same people right. all the time including the composer and the music is very important in here. yeah it's hugely so important how, how does that function and what conversations did you have with Michael Dana about doing this this music because it's very effective and it takes you mm -hmm. to that point where it's not a thriller at first, but at a certain point you get cues that yeah. things are changing a little bit. Well, um, it's a conversation we always have, which is uh, such an exciting and fundamental one, which is uh, uh, how and when are we developing certain motifs? Like how are they being uh, modulated or how are they being developed? And how is that reflecting the psychology of what's going on? I mean, it's an amazing tool, right? A, a score. Uh, and sometimes it can work against a scene, but in a, in, a, in a designed way. So, and other times, I think what was tricky about this is that in my own scripts, um, the emotions are often really held back and are kept quite mysterious, and it's the music that allows you access to the emotional turbulence of the characters before the action or what they're saying does. And this was quite different. This is, this is melodramatic in the, in the sense that the, the, the emotions are quite unfiltered, mm -hmm. and it's really about having access to what people are feeling in a literal way even though they're not quite sure why they're they might be feeling that there's mm -hmm. never a question about what it is that they're trying to grapple with mm -hmm. so the music had to be different from the other movies that way i think and uh and and yes it had to then uh, anticipate this tonal shift that happens towards the end mm -hmm. and make that um viable mm -hmm. so it's also a different process because we were test screening, which I never do with my own films, right? So, so the you mean bringing it to a test audience yes. and getting their reaction. Yes, because it's, it's it, yeah. made through that system. So, um, so there was a temp score, uh, and and there was a music supervisor who, who, who sets that, you know, out with with with, with obviously a creative input from the from from the director, but that becomes this weird template, which I've never used before in, in working with Michael. And actually, because he does a lot of Hollywood scores, I mean, that's actually how he works for the most part. Mm -hmm. my, my own scripts are, are an anomaly, where they're really 
screen with his music for the first time. Mm -hmm. And the further you get into the film, the harder it is to talk about it without giving yeah, away I mean, a couple of, course, of twists. I mean, this is the first of the of the twist that begins right. to emerge, and then there's another twist after that that's even more surprising. Yes. So it's a little hard to, re yes, to is, talk about all of that without revealing what you shouldn't Probably. I feel kind of bare because this the story of this is really the first film I've ever made where you can actually give away the plot so easily because <laughs> it's it's linear and you could just say well then that happens and in, in my other films I never have a problem because they end up being really confusing anyhow I mean even if you give away the plot no one really knows you know what you've just said because they're so Byzantine but in this one it, it ends up being pretty simple. But the interesting thing is, it's also the kind of film where once you've seen it, if you go back and watch it the second time and you see how mm -hmm. it's, it's tracking, then you notice things that you didn't, because you know where it's leading, and you yeah. sort of wonder who's doing what, why, and what was in Chloe's mind when she first met Catherine, and what was in Catherine's mind when she first uh, hired Chloe. Well, I, I, I think that, again, that's because the performances are really detailed and, and, and there's just so much um, that's being filtered through these two women and, and, and it's just uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite uncharacteristically using the close-up in a certain way I mean in a way that I, I, I wouldn't normally do in my own films my own films tend to employ master shots and, and uh, you're very aware of um, the camera taking this view of, uh, of almost a predatory sort of like gaze, you know, on the scene. But in this one, it's, it's really, it's, it's more classically shot. So you have access to the faces. And, and, and I think that that tells a whole story. And, and, and when the performances are as strong as they are, um, it, it, it does make it rich, I think. We have time for questions from, from all of you as well. So maybe we can do that and I'll ask some questions too. But if any of you have questions, I think um, there's a microphone there. Is that yeah, if you guys just raise your hand, we have a microphone, we'll come right over to you. Okay, questions from you? Well, I have another question sure. um, about Hollywood. You must have been offered lots of opportunities to direct much more mainstream or Hollywood kinds of... Have you um, been tempted to do more of that? Well, I, I was right after Exotica. I, I spent a year in L.A. and I was going to do a, a thriller for Warner Brothers. And it just, um, at a certain point, it seemed that, uh, well, it's really, it's a complicated story, but I, I realized that uh, I could stay there forever talking about this movie and having meetings. And, uh, and it didn't seem that we were getting any closer to it actually getting made. Uh, there was sort of a critical moment, and I won't bore you with the details, where it could have been made, and then something happened. And, uh, and, and right after, I realized, well, I still wanted to make it, but the option on a book that I had taken called The Sweet Hereafter was about to run out. And I promised the author, Russell Banks, that I would make that film through the system I do have access to uh, as an independent filmmaker in Canada. Uh, so I left that project to make sweeter after and and then i realized that it was really it's it's a particular game and i think to play that um you just uh, need to have a a different temperament um and you have to really believe that that's what you want to do and honestly it, it, it never really was what i wanted to do i mean the films that i was drawn to were coming out of a different tradition mm -hmm. I think what happens is that at a certain point you think, well, if the opportunity is there, why wouldn't you try it? And it's not as simple as that. Sometimes it can be, mm -hmm. uh, but for someone who 
someone who's writing their own material, it's just, it's, 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 it's problematic. Mm -hmm. So um, this was the closest I've, I've come. And, and, and now it's interesting because, uh, you know, you get all these scripts which are, which are sex thrillers, right? <laughs> and, and, and most of them are just terrible. They're really awful scripts. And so you wouldn't think of twice of doing one, but, but uh, you get pigeonholed immediately. So um, that's why. It was funny though, it, it was a funny year because I, I think that, and the other odd thing is that getting all these sex thrillers now, these scripts, I went, well, maybe I should reread that script that Warner Brothers was, which, they never made the movie. They didn't? Uh, and it was called Dead Sleep and I, I reread it and I, I just, you know, I, I felt so removed from it and, and it felt so uh, weak in a way and yet at a certain point I believe that's the thing I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a delusion that you allow yourself to fall into because there's a momentum and the train has sort of left the station. So before it does, which is once you have that meeting where you go, I like this project and I'm attached, I want to be attached to it, you have to be really sure that it's something that you can uh, remain interested in. Right. Is it harder and harder though to make the kinds of films that you oh, make yeah. independently? What's going on in the, in the yeah, industry? It's, Cause I, it's I, I just think it's, uh, I mean, my films, for them to work, need to look a certain way. I mean, I'm using, uh, because the, the, the themes are challenging, the viewer has to be seduced. So they have to be seduced through the performance, through the visual quality, through the music, through all of these, um, all of these palettes, which, which somehow uh, are quite expensive. I mean, if I was making films that were shot digitally and uh, were naturalistic, mm -hmm. perhaps this wouldn't be a challenge. But I think uh, given, uh, the textures I've, I've worked in so far, um, it's, it's, it's getting really hard to make the medium-sized film. Mm -hmm. I think it's, e it's easier to make the, the ultra-low-budget film, and, uh, and you'll always be able to make the, you know, the, 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 I mean, if you have the right story and the right cast, the right package, you can make the, the huge movie. But the medium-sized film, like the, the Exoticas and the Sweet Hereafters, the Adorations, and, and even this, though this is obviously a, a larger budget, but they're, they're really tough to make. Drama's tough these days. I mean, I, I think what's happened is that uh, uh, people are watching really great drama on television. Really? And, uh, you know, like feature films are um, that use conventional um, anticipations of drama, if that's the right term, um, are, are, are finding it harder to present themselves theatrically. Mm -hmm. We still have a microphone here. If any of you have come up with questions in the meantime while we've been chatting away here. Just raise your hand, and that's what he's here for. Wow, I've just so sort of, yes, there's there a question. Yeah. When you say that medium uh, films are hard to make, what range in terms of the budget do you mean? I I, I really mean between two point five and seven. Thank you. Right. But as you say, it is easier to actually make a little film. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I, harder I, I, to get it out there, maybe. It is. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I, I, I've made a film, uh, which I've never shown in New York, called Citadel, which I shot uh, with my wife uh, in Beirut a few years ago, digitally, on a handy cam. And uh, I, I love it, but it's, it's something that I don't need to show. There's no uh, expectation or pressure on it. So I show it uh, at uh, s selected retrospectives or like festival situations where I can contextualize it because it's an unusual movie. 
But, um, but the great thing is that it was made. And I, I literally uh, edited it on, one, uh, on, a, on a Final Cut Pro and mixed it on Final Cut Pro. And it was, it was while I was waiting for Where the Truth Lies to come out, which is actually the, the largest budget I ever had. And, and I was getting so frustrated at, at whether or not that film was going to get made that I just did this one spontaneously. So that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that we can do that. I mean, when I was uh, starting my career in the, in the 80s, uh, even to shoot 16 millimeter, to get sound, I mean, that was, a, that was an ordeal. And you needed a, uh, my first feature was made for $40,000, which is actually a, a decent amount for a digital feature. I mean, and, and you could still make that first feature for, for $40,000. So that's, that's extraordinary. And, and you could, not only that, I mean, you could also, you could distribute it globally. I mean, you really, you can get it out there and, all of that is, 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 is unimaginable from the position I was 25 years ago when I started making films. But, but the question will always be, well, how do you create a form around it? You know, how, do you, how do you have a, a dialogue around it? So the role of festivals has become even that much more important. And the gatekeepers you know, who decide which films are going to enter that system. Mm -hmm. Other questions from you? Have you decided what you're doing next, or are you well, always working on something? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Um, I've, I've written a couple of scripts. I write a, a lot more than I shoot. So, so uh, one of the scripts is definitely uh, not the film I want to make. Which is basically right after I made this, and I thought, oh, that was so interesting, doing something linear, and uh, and I want to. I want to write something linear. So I tried to write uh, a mystery sort of thriller, which was really fun to write, but I. I have no desire to make it because it sort of seems all laid out on the page and uh, I'm, I'm so used to trying to figure out uh, what the film is about through the process of making it and that's sort of my, my modus operandi so, so that one's a no-go the other one I'm going to reread after I finish this press tour um, and I'm reading scripts and then I also do theatre and installation work so um, my next thing for sure is are a couple of installations that I'm doing this summer where would that be? One is uh, for the opening of the Bell Lightbox, which is the new center of the uh, Toronto Film Festival. And it's an amazing kind of complex, and they've commissioned me to do uh, an installation piece. Uh, for So it'll be presented at the Toronto Film Festival, I guess, in, in 2010. Mm -hmm. Any other questions from you over there? No, we have oh. Hi. 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 How are uh, you, Carol? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm curious as to how films get made in, in Canada as opposed to Hollywood. What's the process? Well, the process is you first of all need to uh, find a distributor who's going to put up an advance because without that, you cannot actually begin to access Telefilm, which is this um, um, government organization which will invest in a film. Uh, but they need to have a distributor come on board first. So uh, once you're able to come in with a distribution advance and then have access to this uh, uh, equity uh, financing, then it's a question of cobbling together the rest of the budget through pre-sales or um, you know, European distribution, things like that. So it's, it's, uh, that's, that's the way. Other questions? Yes. Hi. Hi. I'm a film student and I was wondering whether you have any advice for young filmmakers. 
Well, the, the, the advice is really uh, to actually use these incredible um, technologies to, to make movies, to try, to, to learn by trial and error, right? I mean, that, I think, the most amazing thing you have at your disposal while you're at film school is a group of other people who are also uh, learning. So you have uh, the ability to present ideas and, 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 and to learn you know, what, what's working and not. And, and to just dive into the process as quickly as possible, I think. Um, and, and, and also then get your skin really thickened and tough because uh, there is so much rejection and you're gonna be so bruised. So if you can start experiencing that in a community of people uh, who are also aspiring, I think that that's really important as opposed to just you know taking film school uh, at an instructional sort of level is to really use it as, as a place where there is a, uh, a chance to, to test ideas. Thank you. you didn't go sure. to film school, did you? No, I mean, I didn't go to film school, but I, I, at the university I went to, there was a film club, and, and it was a very active club. So in a way, um, in a, it was exactly that. It was a group of us who were making films on campus, you know, who were really passionate about it, and uh, were... Um, teaching ourselves and writing film criticism and you know so it it, it it was like I think it's what you want a film school to be in some ways mm -hmm. though that being said I mean I didn't know film grammar at all and I look at some of the early shorts and they're just really primitive because I didn't understand you know the basic ideas of how films were made and also at that point I mean shooting 16 I mean I was negative cutting my own films and you know it, it was like really arduous and 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 uh it's unimaginable now, right? I mean, that you're actually cutting negative and, and learning how to cement paste and all this stuff which is so effortless. And, and, and the quality of what you can get now for, uh, you know, with high def is, is broadcast quality. So that's, that's a miracle. And in a very short time, too. Very short period of time. I mean, the thing that's even more astonishing to say is the, is the ability to broadcast. Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy. Have you ever put any of your things online? Have you ever released any no, but, but, no, but they're online. I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen on YouTube, you can download most of the movies in, in kind of sections, which is mm -hmm. just so odd too, right? I mean, <laughs> so, you know, Exotica is, uh, I think there's like, it's kind of moving because I think there's 11 parts and that's how many film reels there were. I don't think, I don't think it's kind of, you know, connected to that, but, and, and, and of course everything is available. I mean, it's a bit nerve-wracking how available things get yeah. to be um, so quickly. I mean, uh, but that's just the reality of the world we're in, I guess, and uh, the fact that people are used to not paying for movies, which is, brings us back to why the budgets are, why the medium-sized film is, is, is suffering, because um, the distributors, which before had some way of recouping through theatrical and television sales, have seen you know, those audiences uh, threatened, and also the amount of money that they're getting through a television broadcast deal is is, is greatly diminished. So it's it's it, as a as a business, it's become less viable. Any other questions out there? Do you feel, uh, at this point in your career, do you feel the support to continue doing the work that you would like to do, or is there a, a sense of anxiety, or you know? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't feel anxiety because I, I, I just, I've, I've made sort of this promise that I'm just going to be a lot more uh, choosy about what I'm going to do. Like, I've been, I've been sort of making films every year and a half, you, you know, two years, and um, I, I, I think I just, you know, I, 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 when I'm writing, though, I'm aware of what the boundaries are. I realize that a film can either be made for this amount or it has to be a film that can be made for that amount, as opposed to... Uh, 
kind of a, a freedom I had when I was writing before uh, not to worry about that. So um, I'm aware of those parameters. And I know that if, it, you, know, if you want to make it for a, a, a high budget, it just, I'm probably not going to be the person who's going to write that script, honestly. Um, but but um, I may be able to initiate an idea and then maybe work with someone who can, can develop that, that blueprint that, that the industry needs. But for the smaller films, I, I remain really excited because you can really do whatever you want, right? I mean, it's, it's quite amazing uh, just to, to fool around. I mean, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and play. I mean, that's what it's all about, really. The problem, as they say, is when you get to a film like, let's say, an Exotica or, uh, or uh, an Adoration or an Ararat, where, but Exotica especially, I mean, that needs production design. And it, it's, uh, that made, film was made for $2 million and it was shot in like 22 days. And we were a lot younger and we were just not sleeping and we were just like, going flat out. And it was a very, uh, I mean, I'm just so thankful for the people who, you know, worked on that film with me, who I'm still working with. But we, we just did it because, and they didn't know, no one, no one knew what that movie was about. I mean, that, that's the weird thing about this type of script, is that you read it and the blueprint is there. Everyone has an idea of where that film is going. But something like Exotica is so abstract, really. And it's not until you actually put it all together, or sweet hereafter, and, 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 and your, your crew, your closest collaborators will say, Oh, that's what it's about. Because they never really knew. And they were just sort of following. And in fact, you never really knew either. Um, and that's what gives those films a, a very particular energy. We have time for two more questions. Last chance for you. Yeah, one over here in the back. One all the way over here. Thank you. So what, um, what are your aspirations now? You know how some directors are very curious about uh, getting an award or, or some type of recognition. What, what keeps you going? It, it's just the possibilities of the medium to tell, um, to enter into these states of mind. I mean, you know, as long as you're curious about human beings, a film is an amazing form, right? It's just, it, it, it's, um, I, I, I remain really excited about the form itself. Uh, and really the, the traditional trajectories of, of, of awards um, and, and uh, honors or, or, or the I can't say that they certainly motivate you when you're younger. You want, everyone wants recognition and that's really important I think and, and I felt very driven by that but, but at a certain point uh, what keeps you going is, is just a, a desire to, to keep exploring this and, and, and the medium but also finding a way of looking at personal experience and, and using the medium to tell stories. And there's something infinitely mysterious about the meeting, meeting of human beings and why people choose to uh, connect and, and, and what's the result of that. It's the essence of what is drama and, and, and it's such an ancient tradition. The question really is whether or not cinema is still going to be the primal way of addressing that through the moving image. That I don't know. I don't know if I was starting my career now, whether or not I'd be more drawn. I'd take television more seriously, certainly. But I also look at some video games, like uh, Heavy Rain, this new uh, game, and which I've sort of played around with a little bit. And it's kind of scary uh, what it's proposing in terms of narrative. And uh, one can imagine that that's, we know if at a business level it's, it's overtaken film anyhow. 
But I think once creatively one has access to that, that that's alternately both ex really exciting and kind of horrifying for a traditional dramatist. One more question. Okay, then I get the last question. Okay, as you deserve. As I deserve. Um, your films are both cerebral and sexy. Why is it so hard to find that combination in movies, do you think? Because it is, it is rare. Usually it's one or the other. I think it's because uh, to combine those two, uh, those two uh, ideas, you need time. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it almost preordains that, that the pace has to be uh, quite luxurious to really uh, allow the intersection of those two ideas and feelings to blend. So um, maybe people are scared of that. People are scared of the fact that uh, it's not paced in a traditional way. Mm -hmm. um, and that the viewer needs to implicate themselves in a, in a, in a certain way for that, for that combo to, to work. Because we all know that, I mean, what's most erotic is what's in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so why not use cinema's ability to enter into someone's inner world to, to go there. And the films that I've had a huge influence on me used to do that quite commercially. I mean, the films of Bergman or Antonioni and um, um, uh, Bresson and uh, uh, Berlucci. I mean, these are films that used to actually find access. And that's, I think, the thing that's a little confusing about the fact that um, when I watch the trailer and I sort of see the way it's presented as a, as a thriller, as you said, um, that is the way you market that type of film now. And I understand that. But I, and I also understand that even Exotic at the time was marketed that way. It needed to be. Because otherwise people don't quite know what they're getting into. But any, any sexuality, I think, or anything that's really heated involves that element of uh, fear sometimes. And that's what the films are kind of touching on. Like, you know, the, the, both the, the lure and this sort of sense of, well, it's, yeah, I mean, you can get all Wagnerian and talk <laughs> about Liebestod and all that stuff. But, you know, it's an idea that, you know, that it might actually be really uh, harmful. That sometimes is what draws us. Mm -hmm. On that light note. Are, uh, thank you very much for this. Congratulations. It is thank a wonderful you. film. Thank and thank you, you for thank coming, you. for being and, patient. And thanks for waiting. Really, that's uh, above and beyond the call of beauty. Thank you.